Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Hello, everyone. This is Rosie Tran, and welcome to Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weibo.tv special report sponsored by our friends at DuckDuckGo. You may have heard my voice at the end of every episode on Weibo.tv. I'm the one asking you to leave a review. Which, by the way, I hope you've done, right? You've left us a review? Okay, great. Unless you're lying. <clears throat> well, I'm a lot more than a voice. I'm also Weibo.tv's intrepid reporter, and over the course of this miniseries, I'm going to share with you short, actionable tips you can use to protect your privacy. These tips were sourced by our fearless leader, he really hates when we call him that, BJ Mendelson. BJ, for those of you who may not know, is the author of the book Privacy and How We Get It Back, a book that was published in the before times. This means before COVID. BJ is currently writing a sequel called How to Protect Yourself from Fascists and Weirdos. So everything we're going to hear in this miniseries is the most up-to-date information he's researched, bringing us into 2023 and beyond. Throughout the series, you're also going to hear from some special guests and experts in the information security field. You hear that sound? That means it's time for today's privacy tip. This week, we're going to conclude our digital detox segment. I have two helpful exercises and a tip. One that anyone who wants to enjoy sound sleep and better sex should take to heart. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you hanging. So let's get to that tip first. Don't bring your phone into your bedroom. Your job is to establish your bedroom as a phone-free bone zone. Nothing else should happen in there besides, of course, for sleeping. Establishing a phone-free zone in your home is one of the easiest things you can do right now to limit how much time you spend using it. The trick is to have something rewarding to look at instead of reaching for your phone. For example, if you like to leave your phone on your nightstand, put it in another room. Where your phone used to be, put a book or Kindle there instead. Now listen, we know breaking up with your smartphone is really hard. Most of us spend nearly the entire day looking at the thing. That's because our brain doesn't like feeling bored or anxious. So we reach for our phone to stop those feelings. But with some persistence and the following exercises, you can retrain your brain. And that will help keep you safe. Because remember, the more you use your smartphone, the larger your digital footprint. And all of that data can be used against you by fascists and weirdos. The only person that should be able to harm you, with consent, is your partner. So the first exercise is to ask yourself a simple question. Whenever you're holding your smartphone, ask yourself, why is this in my hand right now? Doing this will disrupt the automatic process that caused you to reach for your phone in the first place. And if you don't have an answer to why is this in my hand right now, put your phone away and go back to doing whatever you were doing. Now, let's say you have a legitimate reason to be looking at your phone. For example, you're next in the checkout line at the grocery store and there's a 400-page glossary magazine from Time about all the cool parties Jesus went to. Of course you want to buy this magazine, but it's like $29.99 for some ridiculous reason. So you take out your phone and say, why is this in my hands? The answer, to open your banking app. You want to see if you have enough in your checking account for the Jesus magazine and your groceries. That's okay, but that's an exception, not the rule. If you don't have an answer to that question, put your phone away. Now, here's the second exercise. For the next 30 days, use your privacy journal to keep track of what apps you're using and what websites you're visiting. 
After 30 days, it's time to go into your phone settings. There, you'll find tools to help limit the amount of time you can spend on those apps and websites. If you just log into your digital wellness settings without first doing this exercise, you won't stick to your time limits you create. Most often, people need to track their activity and see for themselves how much time they're wasting. Once they do this, there's a mental process that takes place. One that says to your subconscious, I don't want to waste my time anymore. And that process will help you stick to the new time limits you establish. We'll link to how to use your digital wellness features in the show notes below. Are you still listening? We hope so because we have a special surprise. Victoria Song, writer for The Verge. BJ, take it away. I almost called it, wait, wait, don't tell me. And I keep slipping into that. I don't know why. This is now the third time this has happened. Uh, Victoria, thank you so much for joining us on Wayward TV. It'd be great if I remembered the name of my own show after 100 episodes. <laughs> uh, would you be so kind as to introduce yourself and tell us what you're working on? Well, I'm Victoria Song. I am a reviewer for wearables and fitness tech at The Verge. And right now I am working on my Samsung Galaxy Watch 5 review. I literally just picked it up today. So Nice. Yeah. yeah. How, are you, how are you liking it so far? Um, Hard to say, just okay. because I've literally just set it up. So, you know, anytime you so like this is just like right now this product is not out yet it's just for reviewers and so we have basically pre-final release software on it so that's always just a little bit tricky when you're evaluating a product but you know so far it hasn't exploded so we're good (laughs) so far so good uh i'll keep my fingers crossed for no explosions we've had zero so far on the show Uh, Let me let me ask you, though, because I've been reading your stuff for a while now on The Verge because I'm a big wearables person. I'm I'm convinced that's sort of where things are going, given the aging population and just the, you know, the size of the baby boomer population and uh, their barrier of entry into tech. So I'm curious as to, like, what got you involved in wearables and like what what made that a thing that you were excited to write about? Uh, It was actually just funny story, an opportunity opened up at uh, when I was at PC Mag. Uh, But also around that point in time, like, I was having some health issues, actually, I had gained like 40 to 50 pounds doing absolutely nothing, which is the most, you know, everyone will say that, but I literally did absolutely nothing. So I ended up buying a Fitbit and was like, obsessively tracking my own data and bringing it to doctors and going like, what's going on here? And it Took me two years, but I finally got a diagnosis for uh, polycystic ovary syndrome, which leads to weight gain. And I was able to fix that. But it was due in part to the fact that I was obsessively tracking my um, my steps, what I was eating and all of that stuff. And, you know, it wasn't a fun time doing all of that and seeing zero results. But, you know, it kind of got me interested in the technology and the whole family is full of doctors. So I'm the black sheep not being a doctor. But this is <laughs> I, I feel like this is my way of taking part in the family business without actually having to go to medical school. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, increasingly the wearables are, are health related or health adjacent devices. I mean, the the whole reason my dad has his Apple Watch is to track, you know, to do his EKGs. Mm-hmm that he can send to his doctor. And now my brother who just had heart surgery also has an Apple watch for that same reason. So, uh, yeah, it's like, it's funny that you wound up in a, in a field that was, that was so close. Uh, do you, do you get shit from your family on, on occasion? 
Yes. Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> like when my mom was alive, she was uh, very anti-technology. Uh, she had a lot of privacy concerns and she was like, Victoria, can you get a different job? All these companies have so much of your health data. And I was like, yeah, I know, mom. Like I'm I actually wrote about it when I was back at Gizmodo, but I have a very kind of cavalier attitude about my health data just because I understand that that's a risk I need to take in order to kind of learn more about myself using these tools because I cannot use an Excel sheet for my life. So so that's just me. But my mom was very private. And, you know, your health data is the most sensitive data that you have. And currently our government doesn't really protect wearable data in HIPAA. So, you know, I totally get where she was coming from. But that is the most crap I got from my family. (laughs) It, it was the best kind because it was well intentioned. It was well intentioned crap. It was still crap, but well. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, like, what do you? So, you know, I wrote a book on privacy in 2017. I think that's how I first came across your work. And so, like, my whole thing now is just getting more people to understand what is happening with their data in light of what's happened with the Roe decision. Like, I'm, I, I mm-hmm. want people to know that if you're going to use a wearable device, you know, like this information could be scooped up by bad actors. Is that is that something that's always in the back of your mind as you as you write about the wearables? Yeah, like it is something that I kind of want to address more in my work going forward, just because uh, data privacy with regard to health is, as you said, a lot more um kind of contentious following Roe. And, you know, there was a thing that uh, my colleague Nicole Wetzman and I wrote very soon after Roe where we were talking about, well, is your period data from these period tracking apps like actually dangerous to you right now? And how do you go about deleting that data? And, you know, um, the answer isn't super clear cut because people like... Um, People want to know if their data is end-to-end encrypted, and a lot of it isn't. And, you know, if you go into the rabbit hole of period tracking apps, some of them are just apps that a well-meaning developer made on their own, not necessarily based on accurate science. And there's this huge gap in women's health data because, fun fact, we weren't actually required to include women in clinical trials until 1992 or 1993 by our government. So there's just this huge gap in foundational data. So it's sad. Um, Nicole wrote this great story about how wearables were helping to demystify women's health until Roe happened. So yeah, this is totally on my mind right now. And it's, 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 it's sad because there are a lot of researchers out there using wearables as a easy way to learn more data uh, that's non-invasive. But now we have these concerns. So it, it, I do think it's going to kind of put a damper on some of the things that we were finding out. I think so. I think that there's there's going to be an extra level of cynicism towards a lot of these devices and, and with understandable and very good reasons towards them. Uh, but I tend to, I, you know, I, something you mentioned was that you were okay with like having these devices to get this data. I feel the same way. And I, I kind of found that it's a, there seems to be a generational thing, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. uh, Gen X or a baby boomer, baby boomers more so, you're completely on the, you know, all this stuff is bad. Uh, I don't want it tracking me. But if you're younger, like I'm an elder millennial, but like the millennials and Gen Z uh, seem to be like, I'm okay with giving this up because I'm getting something of value. You know, like I am getting that data that is valuable for my health. 
Yeah, no, there's there are definitely people. I'm like middle millennial, smack dab in the middle of the millennial <laughs> uh, uh, spectrum, I guess. And there are millennials who come up to me and they're like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no way, no, no how. But I do think, just generally speaking, we're kind of like, well, everyone has data on you all the time. There's CCTV yes. everywhere, so. It's kind of, and again, I did write about this uh, when I was at Gizmodo, but we all live in public now, and I feel like we act like we live in public. So in some way, our data, it just is like, whatever, I'm living publicly all the time on social media, on TikTok, on all these places. So I, I happen to personally be a little bit more cavalier than some people I know, but... <laughs> I write for a living. I write personal stuff for a living. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're sharing, you're sharing and getting paid to share. So um, yeah. what do you think of the argument of that you have, that you should be paid for the data that's generated from a wearable? You know what? If they're using it to do research, get that bag. I agree. <laughs> just right. kind of like, you know, I participate in some studies uh, just because, well, it's my job. I'm interested in seeing what you get asked when you participate in those studies. And, you know, it would be nice. It would be nice since you're figuring stuff out and you're developing product. I'm in a way helping you develop a product, I guess. So yeah, kick back $5 my way <laughs> or something. Yeah. I mean, like, if so the argument I've seen is that it, it wouldn't equate to much money, right? Like if Facebook were to give you, or I'm sorry, Meta, if Meta was to give you uh, <laughs> money, I, I hate calling them Meta, uh, it would be like $3, right? Yeah. Like, like that. that's what, but I still think it's a principal thing. Like I would still oh, want that sure. $3, right? Yeah, for uh, sure. Let me, let me ask you, like, what's, what surprised you the most of getting, getting into this field and, and writing about tech? I'm a Facebook hipster. I then deleted my Facebook account and then re-upped it in 2005 and have not been able to get off the stupid thing since. So so why can't you get off? So wh- <laughs> what are your... <laughs> you guys. The award-winning Smashing Security Podcast, hosted by Graham Cluley and Carol Terrio each week. It takes an irreverent look at cybersecurity and online privacy. Helping you find out what's happening with your data. Find it in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps, or at smashingsecurity.com. It's not all filth. lot of things actually just um like from the writing perspective of it just how insane commenters are but also you know like you kind of expect the haters but what i didn't expect were the people who actually take the time to write nice things to you and i have a bunch of them and it's just honestly not something i expected going into this particular field but then if we're talking about my beat Oh my God, I was not expecting how passionate people are about fitness. Like I'll write a review of a Peloton or whatever, and I get essays, essays in my <laughs> inbox about like, girl, you're not doing the right kind of exercise. This is what you need to do. Peloton is this. And I was like, just essays from people. And they're always very entertaining. But at the same time, it's like, wow, this right. is a, something people are super passionate about. And falling into the rabbit hole of, uh, diet culture and wellness culture and body positivity that was not something i expected reporting on tech 
but it right. is very deeply related. So that's gotta be like, I feel like you have probably the most underrated, underappreciated <laughs> field in tech for that reason, because it, t- it touches so many little things that, that people feel on a, like a really visceral level. As opposed to something like VR, I'm a big VR nerd, mm-hmm. uh, right? Where you know, it, you're excited about the potential of it more than like, oh my god, what's this thing saying about my heart? Uh, what what is your like biggest pet peeve in terms of PR people? Because I know every every reporter's got one. <laughs> oh my god, biggest? Oh well, biggest. like I don't know what the biggest biggest one is, but I think expecting you to be anything less than honest sometimes it's just like well i have an opinion you come to me because i have an opinion and i'm writing my opinion honestly and sometimes they're just like well you didn't ask me about this one feature and how it was and xyz and you know i've gotten some pretty touchy emails from pr people in the past and it's like well this is my opinion and for me personally it didn't work the way that you said it was going to work so that's an issue and then in terms of just my nightmare inbox getting pitches (laughs) for things that are absolutely not on my beat like I understand right you're just trying to cast the widest net possible but I don't review purses and yet I have pitches for leather purses with no tech element in my inbox so it's just <laughs> i know you don't know me so this is a little frustrating yes yeah uh mine mine is the the, the constant follow-up message oh. Oh, hey i just want to bump this to your top of your inbox hey i'm just checking in did you get a check it's like you for one follow-up is fine one is yeah. fine but after that uh, like if, if I've replied to them before and then, you know, just because my inbox is a complete nightmare, I, I understand if I'm getting a follow up to someone I've replied to. But if I have not replied to you and you send me four follow ups, take a hint, buddy. Yes. Yep. Uh, let me but let me see. Like, so I'm going to uh, you had a really great response to one of the pre-show questions. So I'm actually going to move it up. Uh, I wanted to ask you about ghosts because <laughs> so for people that are listening i always ask someone at the end of every interview like what's one thing you've always wanted to be asked about and like yours was do ghosts exist and i was like that's amazing and that's <laughs> probably something that i shouldn't ask at the end when we're out of time so i thought i would ask you that yeah um i believe in ghosts i just do um both metaphorical and actual ghosts because um like when I was a kid, I, I would swear to God I lived in a haunted house. Like my dog would basically run down the stairs at somewhere between 2 to 3 a.m., go to the same spot every single time, stare at something and just bark his head off for an hour on just same time, same place and was literally barking at something that I could not see. So that was very freaky. Yeah. And then uh, just... You know, I learned later that a lot of it was probably my family being surveilled by the government. But we just had so many different weird things like uh, static on your phone, just strange electrical things happening in our house. And like, I didn't know at the time that my dad was uh, kind of involved with North Korea on some <laughs> level. I just didn't know. Uh, so I grew up very much believing my house was haunted. And I still think it was just because, you know, 
surveillance doesn't explain why I had this balloon and it would float up just the same spot every single time and just other weird things that I heard and saw in that house. But yeah, I, 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 no one wants to talk about ghosts and that's just kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a physics phenomenon, honestly, um, because everything that we see isn't really what we're seeing, right? It's just what your brain is, is processing. So there are probably countless things that we cannot see, uh, all around us at any given time, which is a little scary. Uh, but yeah, I, I can totally see like sounds or echoes or it could very well be someone in another form, could very well be something from another another universe. It could be, uh, this is all just radio waves, you know, like everything we're seeing yeah. is just particles. So very possible. Uh, was that was that always something that you, that you wanted to write about? Like, did you ever have an interest of... Yeah, actually. Um, so I wrote this uh, story for Giz called uh, My Dad is a Spy, Maybe, and it's all about that sort of stuff. But like early iterations of that, uh, I actually did some like spoken word local things where I would kind of go and workshop it. And early iterations of that would be talking about how I grew up believing in ghosts. And actually, it turned out to be a totally different kind of ghost. It turned out to be like general like generational trauma ghosts that my family was carrying for a really long time and have now become things that haunt me so i just think ghosts are kind of fun yeah technologically speaking and then also personally speaking and just a great storytelling mechanism so i love ghosts basically yeah i mean look it's ancient right like it goes all the way back we've always had ghost stories i think there's something really primal about it um let me let me ask you a little bit about how you how you juggle everything so like, <laughs> because i because I, I can just only imagine that you've got press people and you've got like stuff that you need to do your deadlines like how do you manage all of that as as a working writer uh notion notion is the app that i use uh i actually use several apps i use notion i use cron and i use todoist so i constantly have little things everywhere Popping up, reminding me about deadlines. I use my Apple Watch. I basically am just like, oh, this is file time. So you need to (laughs) get this done by this time. Uh, You know, organizational software on a corporate level. There's like stuff like Airtable and Asana. Very, 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 very active user of those things. Just because, you know, I actually have mild ADHD. So if I don't remind myself about deadlines, I'm going to blow past them just super fast. So, you know, like, I actually think deadlines are a useful tool and shouldn't be feared. It's just, um, I think one thing I didn't know until I'd been in the industry for a while is that deadlines are flexible so long as you communicate with your editor ahead of time. So uh, editors are going to be happy if you blow past it and haven't talked to them. But if you're talking to them and you're like, hey, I need more time. Hey, um, I have seven stories. You need to help me prioritize which ones need to go first. And then we can adjust expectations. Like once I learned that you could do that, it became a whole lot easier just juggling things. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, you're in good company because I, I think most of the guests on the show, myself included, uh, either have OCD or ADHD or sometimes both oh, with the overlap. Uh, so yeah, I'm a big notion guy as well. Um, I can't say enough of good, good things, but let me ask you, uh, so I've got one more time for one more question, but first, where can we find you online? What's, what's something that you'd like us to go and check out? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Vic M song, just check out my byline. I think I do some fun stuff there. Uh, 
I think my Twitter can be occasionally amusing. So there's that as well. Um, you can basically find me anywhere on the Verge's YouTube channel. Uh, Vergecast. I was just on the Vergecast. So that's fun. Uh, and yeah, just drop a line if you have something nice to say. If you don't, you can keep it to yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, my last question for you is like, what, what's something that you would say to your younger self if you had the opportunity? You know, you asked me this and I forgot what I wrote, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think, oh no, now I remember. Um, I think what I would tell myself is to just like, there's always going to be people who hate you and there's always going to be people who really enjoy what you do and never tell you. They're just never going to tell you that they like it because think of how you consume your own media. I read stuff all the time. They're like, wow, that was great. And I never take the time to reach out to the writer and be like, hey, something that you wrote really resonated with me. I've done it a couple of times, but it had to be something that basically like moved me to tears or was foundationally like life changing. Right. But there are people who totally dig what you do. So don't listen to the haters online who are telling you you suck listen to the productive uh constructive criticism from people who are your peers and who really want to invest in you as a person because they're going to tell you when you fuck up and they're also going to tell you what you're doing well and they're just going to be way more helpful to you and encouraging than some rando on the internet who has a whole lot of psychological issues of like jealousy and anger and just stuff that they're dealing with that has nothing to do with you so yeah like criticism is useful but from people who are invested in you not from i don't know like keyboard warrior 427 at twitter.com <laughs> yeah. yeah that kind of thing i think that's well said tired of being tracked online DuckDuckGo can help. Tracking is a comprehensive program. Trackers lurk nearly everywhere online from websites, emails, and even apps in your phone. That means you need a multi-pronged solution. DuckDuckGo's all-in-one privacy app can be used as an everyday browser with private search, tracking, blocking, encryption, and now email protection built in. It's the free, easy button for online privacy. Download the app today. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Thank you for listening to Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weiwo.tv special report. Do you need a privacy audit? To help find new episodes of Weiwo.tv, BJ is offering one-on-one -on -one privacy audits. These are private, one-time consultations that are conducted securely through Signal. During the audit, BJ will walk you through all 23 steps from our special report to help you better protect your privacy. Now, just to be clear, we're going to share all 23 steps with you here, for free, in this podcast miniseries. Because these are all tactics you can use right now to help protect yourself from fascists and weirdos, and we want to help keep everyone safe. These privacy audits are meant for people who may need some extra help implementing these steps or have additional questions that they want answered. You can have your one-on-one -on -one privacy audit with BJ by sending an email to bjmendelson at duck.com. That email again is bjmendelson at duck.com. And we'll see you next time right here on Weiwo.tv, right? <laughs>